Hi, and welcome to The Journey Church. It's my pleasure to welcome you this evening as we continue our study on the flesh and the spirit. We find ourselves in Galatians chapter 5. We've been here for some months now, and uh, we're coming to an end. And I hope that if you've watched this series, uh, you have enjoyed it as much as I have enjoyed learning from it. The particular subject tonight is something that I find very interesting. It, it's uh, for a couple reasons. One is the word we're going to look at is the reason is, is the very word that excited me about the Greek languages and then, or the Greek language rather. And then also uh, it's something that uh, I think we would all benefit from applying to our life uh, more often. And that is the fruit of the spirit as it relates to the word gentleness. And so let's look at the text beginning in verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so this is the eighth quality which serves to constitute the fruit of the Spirit, that is gentleness. If you're using a King James Version, the word meekness appears, which is a far better word as uh, we will study uh, today. The Greek word here is uh, praotes, praotes. That's the Greek word that is used for gentleness, praotes. This is a difficult word to define for there is really no English word that corresponds to it in the Greek. And so uh, we, we, we're going to see today that this word can mean several things to us in English. And while meekness is a good attempt to translate the word, there is a common mes- misconception about the meaning of meekness itself. When, and, I, and I hope to explain that to you in just a moment. It is often suggests a form of cowardness or, or weakness. That's what meekness is. And that there is no such word in the Greek uh, for cowardice or weakness, uh, especially in this word, uh, proutus. Uh, meek, meek means to take something that is completely strong, full of its strength and its vigor, and to put it under the control of a master while it maintains its strength and its vigor. It's similar to uh, taking a wild horse and meeking it, not breaking it, but meeking it. And it's bringing it to a place where you can lead it to water and it will drink upon your command. And so, uh, or like putting, taking a, a stallion and putting a bit in its mouth and a bridle and it maintains all of its strength, yet it is under the control of the rider. Uh, and so meekness is this idea of, of uh, power under control. And I remember it, it was the New International Commentary on the New Testament, or the New International Dictionary of the New Testament. Um, yeah, I think that's right. And uh, that, that's why I bought that whole set back in 1998, because that word, seeing how that word had been pictured, um, it just said this is, it just spoke to me about uh, um, the beauty of the, of the language. And so I'm kind of excited to talk about this idea of gentleness with you today. It is part of the fruit of the Spirit. 
Remember the fruit of the Spirit, it is a collective noun. You don't have the fruit of the Spirit unless you, or live in the fruit of the Spirit unless you demonstrate all of these. And so uh, it's one fruit of many parts. And so we come to this eighth one, which is gentleness. And the purpose of, the let of this lesson is to define the meaning of this word gentleness or meekness as it is used in the King James and to consider the place this virtue has in the lives of Christians. Um, I, I know personally that uh, my family, my wife, and uh, my close friends might think that I would benefit from being more gentle. Um, I've come to a place where this is something in my own life I really wish to have. You know, when you read Proverbs chapter 3, uh, we're familiar with the passage that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. But right before that it says, Bind kindness and, and truthfulness around your neck. And by that you will have a good name before men and before God. And that just is something that's spoken to me just in my own spiritual journey right now. As a, as a man in Christ, this kindness and this gentleness. And it's, they kind of go part in, hand in hand, so to speak. And so it's, it's actually just a thrill to get to work on this word. So enough about that. Let's talk about defining proutus, defining this word gentleness. So number one is the definition. Proutus, as defined by the ancient Greeks, is... Uh, has about five things to say about it. So I'm going to show you the first one, and that is uh, to describe persons or things which have in them certain soothing qualities. So this gentleness, first of all, to the Greek mind and to the reader who understood this text in the original language would understand there is a soothing character or a soothing quality to a person who demonstrates gentleness. It's, it's kind of having a humble demeanor or a kind demeanor which, cause, which causes the calming, listen, of another person's anger. I was just on the street a moment ago coming inside and, and a dear friend of mine was uh, riding uh, the bicycle and was on the sidewalk staying out of traffic and someone uh, yelled and hollered at this person for being on the sidewalk, which was unoccupied. And uh, it was to avoid a car. We're in a busy, busy intersection here where we film, and, and uh, it's right in, our, uh, right in the center of our city on the main square. And I just, I, I, was, I said, well, well, who yelled at you? I'll go find them. And she said, no, it's okay. It's just fine. It, everybody's on edge and all that kind of stuff. That's that calming, soothing response. That's that gentleness. And if you knew this person, you would say absolutely makes perfect sense that she would be that way. She's a gentle soul. But it also describes, number two, the gentleness of conduct, especially on the part of people who had it in their power to act otherwise. And so example of this would be a king forgiving a servant who failed in a particular task. Uh, we see this in the New Testament with the servant, the, un, the parable of the unmerciful servant. The king has the authority and the power to render punishment, but chose instead to show kindness and forgiveness. 
Uh, there's a really popular uh, Facebook uh, um, uh, program called Caught in Providence about a, a particular judge that uh, he has this court in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's traffic court, and people come in there for speeding tickets or they've gone past the time limit on their meter, and he, this judge has been practicing for years as a civil judge, and uh, he just turned uh, of certain age, and these tributes came into him from all over the world, from Pakistan to Bangladesh to New Zealand uh, to Japan, and it was amazing. I watched it yesterday, and, and it was it over and over again talked about how kind and gentle he is, and then he, he responded with tears. I mean, this aged old judge responded with all of these tears, saying that his parents just taught him to be kind and to take every circumstance in its own individual place of kindness and gentleness and to look at the offender in the context of the situation they were in. And again, we're talking about, you know, not putting enough quarters in your your uh, parking meter or, you know, running a stop sign. This judge isn't dealing with uh, felony issues. And uh, so it, it, it's, I believe it's called caught in providence. It, 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 <laughs> this man is the embodiment of kindness. And uh, he has the power to uh, really wreck people's lives and uh, financially uh, with fines. And instead, you, you see him take these circumstances and he's, he's kind and, and gentle. Number three, it describes the ability to take unkind remarks with a good nature. Uh, we might have a translation for that in, in our vernacular. It's, it's uh, you roll with the punches or you uh, like water off a duck's back when someone says that. When, when embroiled in controversy, being able to discuss things without losing one's temper uh, because of unkind or unfair personal remarks. It's, you know, this is, this is something that's very needed today. Uh, it appears in our in our public discourse as a return to this this gentleness to not take everything so personally and to take it with a good nature. Number four, most often it describes a character in which strength and gentleness are perfectly combined. And of course that is the idea of meekness. A horse is obedient to the reins and a watchdog is friendly to the family that owns him uh, uh, or owns him or her. I remember hearing a story years ago about uh, the great uh, Dr. Billy Graham, and he had two Doberman pincers, pincers that uh, protected him and, and his wife and family there in Asheville, North Carolina, on that, that sacred mountain where they lived. And that's the only security he had. And uh, those dogs, those Dobermans, were trained in Germany they only understood German commands, and they were the family pets. But Dr. Graham could say a particular word, and those dogs would go from being the family friend to attack whoever was not a member of the family. And, and he writes in his book, Just As I Am, he never ever had to utter that word, and he never told his family what the word was. And so there you have these 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 dogs that are bred for personal security that are bred to take down an intruder under complete control of the master. 
and, uh, and totally gentle, yet maintaining all of the power they have uh, to, uh, to neutralize a threat. Uh, this, is, this is great strength that is present, but it is tempered by a gentle spirit. So, you know, it, it, it's just simply, again, like I said, that it, it makes sense why this would be a fruit of the Spirit. It's, you have all of this strength that's present within you, but it is, it is totally tempered by a gentle spirit, one who is gentle and kind. Aristotle said it this way, um, uh, about the word proutus. He said it's the ability to bear reproaches and slights with moderation and not to embark on revenge quickly and not to easily be provoked to anger, but to be free from bitterness and contentiousness, having tranquility and stability in the spirit. I, this, I use this definition as an indictment of myself uh, recently in our, and uh, you know, we're here in Texas and, and football is a huge uh, part of our culture. And uh, there was recently, uh, not long ago, a high school football game where a young man had been ejected from the game. And uh, he decided to come back on the field and he ran onto the field and assaulted the referee who ejected him, who it, it, it injured the referee, um, and the young man had to be taken out of the stadium in handcuffs and uh, is now facing a criminal, uh, a criminal indictment. Well, I was with, in fact, the two men that are here right now filming this video for me were with me uh, when they showed me that video and it incensed me. Uh, they could, if, if the camera was turned around, they would go, and they're doing that now. It incensed me because of the, just the absolute anger that came over me of this 60-year-old referee or 65-year-old referee being taken down, 68, I believe he was, being taken down by an 18-year-old in pads. And uh, um, that is absolutely the opposite of what Aristotle is talking about. That is absolutely the opposite context, or the ap absolutely opposite principle of what Paul the Apostle is writing here. I, I became absolutely anger, angry, but it was not in moderation. I wanted revenge. I, I told them exactly what I would do in that. I was not demonstrating a spirit of gentleness. Now, I'm quite sure those of you listening to me, you have never found yourself in the same situation I have, and I, I'm, I'm happy for you for that. But for those of us that struggle with this, please pray for us. Uh, We're supposed to be gentle, and uh, the Lord is good uh, to, to teach us from our own behavior sometime. You know, you need to let me work on this for you. Um, this does not imply, however, that there will never be a place for anger in the gentle man. Uh, it's okay to be angry. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. And indeed, a man who displays proutus, this gentleness, this meekness, this kindness, is angry on the right ground. Uh, as, as Aristotle went on to say, he's angry on the right grounds and against the right persons and in the right manner and in the right moment for the right length of time. 
And so, you know, you say, well, why are you quoting Aristotle when you're using the Bible? Well, God hits straight licks with crooked sticks. And uh, considering that Aristotelian logic was the, was the thought process of the day when this New Testament was written, taken to people that were steeped in Aristotelian logic, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it, they go hand in hand. Maybe, maybe Aristotle had come across somebody that uh, was a worshiper of God and, 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 and in fact, uh, was influenced this way. Uh, one one uh, commentator says he will err on the side of forgiveness rather than on the side of anger. And I think that is a very good way. Uh, that's a Christian author that says we should err on the side of forgiveness than err on the side of anger. This is, this is a much better way. Um, so that's the first main point. It describes the person or, or the first section of the first main point. It describes a person or thing which have in them certain soothing qualities to describe the gentleness of conduct, especially on the part of people who had it in their power to act otherwise, to describe the ability to, under, to, to take unkind remarks with good, with good nature. Most often it describes the character of strength and gentleness that are perfectly combined. And, and then as I shared with you, the quotes of Aristotle. So that's the first section, that's letter A of point number one of the definition of proutus, of gentleness. Um, now I want to show you how it is exemplified. And under the definition of this gentleness, now let's look at letter B, how it is exemplified in the life of Moses and in the life of Jesus Christ. So with the example of Moses, I want to begin by looking over at Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. You'll go left in your Bible and almost to the very beginning. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now there's several parts to verse 3, uh, and so we want to look at the end, end of it. Uh, well, let's just look at all of it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Now Moses was a humble man, was very humble, it says, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Though, though as God's chosen servant, he could have rebuked Aaron and Miriam, for example, in verses 1 through 8 right here. See, look at it. Go back over here to verses 1 through 8. It says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who had married. For she had married an Ethiopian, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. And now the man Moses was very humble more than all who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the, of the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Then he said, hear now my words. Is there, if there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. I speak with him face to face. 
even plainly, and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord, why then are you not afraid to speak why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? <laughs> wow. I mean, it's like uh what what's gonna happen next? You know, the Bible says the Lord directs the lightning. It doesn't go anywhere that he doesn't intend it to land. Uh you know, we're Aaron and Miriam about to become burning embers at that moment, vaporized. I would imagine the thought went through their mind. And yet, you have Moses here. He was silent. He, his silence was not from personal weakness. But I want you to understand something. Um, we do see him use his anger. We do see him use his anger, which is a legitimate righteous indignation when you go to Exodus 32 when you see him coming down off of the mountain and Aaron, you know, who's just the thorn in his side, Aaron, Aaron has made a golden calf for the people to worship. You can look at it at Exodus 32, 19 through 20. And uh, God, had, God had had his fill. Uh, he, was, he was tired of it. Um, he, he was upset, uh, to say the very least. Um, his righteousness and holiness was about to be displayed. And, and after this response, over here in Exodus 32, through 30, 32, verses 30 through 32, look at it. And now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sins, but if not, I pray, kill me. Blot me out of your book, which you have risen, written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now therefore go and lead the people to the place which I have spoken. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sins. So the Lord plagued the people because what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. So here you have Moses going humbly before God and taking responsibility for the people. And you might ask yourself this question. Why would Moses take responsibility for their sinning? For he has nothing to do with the blame of it. Well, that's exactly right. But Moses is the leader. And all leaders take responsibility. They, they may not be the one to blame, but they take responsibility. And the reason they can take responsibility, in the case of Moses particularly, is because Moses was truly humble. He knew that everything in his life came from the Lord. He knew it was through the Lord that he had it, and it was to the Lord to which he was to give it. And so the reality is here you have this great humility that the Bible gives as a benediction in Numbers chapter 12 as a great benediction that says he's the most humble man that had walked the earth. You know, Abraham is known as the friend of God. Moses is known as the, hum as the most humble man of God. He, he is what I consider outside of Jesus technically probably the greatest pastor that has ever lived. And uh, 
uh, Chuck Swindoll wrote a marvelous book that was so helpful to me in my ministry, and I know has been helpful to others who have read it, about the ministry of Moses. And I commend it to you, uh, if you haven't had it, uh, to perhaps read it. Maybe you can get it on Kindle and uh, on the life of Moses. I know that it really helped me understanding the ministry but the necessity in the ministry of being gentle. And even as I'm sharing it with you now, I'm thinking, I need to read the book again. Then there is the example of Jesus. Let's go all the way over to Matthew 11. And saints, you know this passage. Some of you know it well. Um, it is uh, Jesus' plea uh, to, to His children, to His followers. And uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, you could probably quote it by memory uh, uh, if you have leaned on it like so many have. And, uh, and it says in Matthew 11, verse 28 uh, through 30, right here, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and Learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. I'm sorry, so for he says, For I am gentle, for I am gentle, proudest, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oh, the comfort that that passage gives to so many, to, to thousands and scores of thousands of Christians over the year. Years, what, what a wonderful comfort that brings because the reality of it is is that we can come to Him because He's gentle. He's completely gentle. And you see, you'll see His meekness on trial. Go over to Matthew chapter 27. He's being tried. And of course, this goes back to uh, this passage you'll see has a familiarity with a passage from Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 27, in verses 12 through 14, it says right here, And while he was being accused by the chief priests the answer, and the elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things, that, things they testify against you? But he answered and said to them, Not one, so that the governor marveled at him greatly. Well, I just, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to just show you something. This is a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah 53, verse 7. Um, total fulfillment of prophecy that this took place. He says right here, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. There, there you have it the example of Jesus. You see His meekness under, under great strain. And, and we understand that Jesus could have called legions out of heaven and legions of angels. And we know from the Old Testament that one angel has the capacity on a good day just to wipe out 186,000 people. We, we read this in the, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. And a legion, I believe, is 6,000 and so I figured it up one day, and my math may be wrong, but if Jesus called all the legions of heaven that were at His disposal, He could have destroyed the earth 13 times over uh, as it stands today. Uh, that, that's amazing. 
as that is amazing to me. And here the Creator is being tried by, spoken against, being afflicted, scorned, and and going to be crucified by the Creator is going to do this, or is taking this from His created. And the reality of it is, is He takes it without a word. I've told my son many times that, you know, as a leader and as a, as a person that sometimes has to bring correction in lives of employees or lives of church members, um, you know, that it, it is my duty to do so. I have the greatest respect for those who take it. Uh, and, I, and my children as well, great respect for those who take it. Sometimes we get it wrong, but they take it and they show this, this meekness, this gentleness. They don't react. They take what they hear. They eat the meat. They spit out the bones. And, and sometimes I have to go back and apologize for my behavior, but I have learned this and I do it too. If somebody needs to, somebody brings a corrective word, I'll just take it. And I have great respect for that. That's exactly one of the reasons we love Jesus so much. He's gentle. He's meek. He's power under control. But it was not due to His lack of strength. I want you to understand this. His powerful strength had already been demonstrated. He, in denouncing the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, and in, and in purging the temple in John chapter 2, of course He does it again. Jesus cleansed the temple twice. Uh, his meekness at the trial was evidence of the, His strength, not His weakness. So gentleness then is that virtuous quality which, as one commentator says, will treat all men, now listen to this, it will treat all men with perfect courtesy. That's the idea. Gentleness treats people with perfect courtesy. Uh, bring me a, a creamer and a spoon for my coffee. Well, you could say it a little different and say, "Would it? Could I? Ha may I have a, a some cream and a spoon for my coffee? I'd I'd really appreciate it." You put a person at ease. It is perfect courtesy that we can rebuke without rancor, that we can argue without intolerance. Oh, boy, if this would be learned today, that we can argue without intolerance. I have a dear friend. Uh, some of you watching know who he is. He's watching. He, he and I kind of sit on the different fence on a few issues, but we have made it our goal that our friendship is is going to always be the priority. And my wife and I, there's no plan B. The relationship is more important than anything we ever discuss or disagree about. Um, I think that is part of the the concept of this gentleness that we we can we can argue without intolerance that we can face the truth without resentment. You hear today say, "Well, the truth hurts." That that's a resentful statement. We can face truth without resentment and we can be angry and not sin that we can be gentle and yet not be weak. That's the idea of gentleness. We treat all men with perfect courtesy that we can rebuke without rancor, that we can argue without intolerance, that we can face the truth without resentment, that we can be angry and sin not, and that we can be gentle and yet not be weak. Again, this is a quality that comes from having a humble opinion of oneself with the inner strength to control one's emotion, one's tongue and behavior. Now, you'll notice that leads us perfectly into the very next uh, fruit of the Spirit, the last part of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is self-control. But we'll wait a week for that. And so number two, and last of all before the conclusion, let's talk about the place of gentleness in the lives of Christians. 
the place of gentleness in the lives of Christian. I've got four things I want to give you in particular, and I'll just give you the Bible reference for it. Number one, we are to receive the Word of God with meekness. We're to receive it with meekness. That's James 1.21. We're not to receive it believing that maybe the interpretation is wrong or we're to, be, or we're to believe, uh, well, he's just saying that to me or all this kind of... We are to believe the Word with meekness. We are to receive the Word of God. The Word of... Not man's opinion, but we are to receive the Word of God with meekness. That is a command. James 1.21. Number two, we are to approach our brother and sister Christians that are in Aaron that are in error with a gentle spirit. We're to come to them in gentleness. Um, I was visiting with one the other day, and, and, the, and it's just an example of what this means to me. And I said, you know, you and I don't agree on this subject, but I respect your position on this subject. I don't agree with it, but I respect it, but I don't want to debate about it with you all the time. And, and there was no thumping on the head or being angry. I, I don't think the person would say I was angry. It's just, or even frustrated or irritated. It's like, we don't agree on this. And it's okay, because the number one thing is a relationship. And we should do that as Christian men and Christian women, uh, especially in, in churches that have congregational polity where they have business meetings. They should have their meetings in gentleness and in meekness. Or you have an elders meeting or a committee meeting or just, just a meeting amongst people. There should come together in gentleness and meekness even if you don't agree. That's Galatians 6 verse 1, by the way. We must approach brethren in error with the spirit of gentleness. Number three, we must correct those in opposition with humility. It's the same word. This is 2 Timothy 2, 24-25. We should approach, we should correct those in opposition with humility. Proutus, each time, meekness, gentleness, and humility. It's the same word used in the same sense. And you say, well, how come the words used differently in English? Because we just can't do it in English. Okay? And then we are number four. We are to answer inquiries concerning our hope with meekness. Why are you the way you are? Why do you believe what you believe? Why are you a Christian? Why do you believe those stories? Why do you follow a Jesus you've never seen? Our response is to be a response in meekness. That's 1 Peter 3.15. To give a testimony of the hope that is in you. It's not because I prayed to receive Jesus Christ and I'm a Christian and I want to... That is absolutely has no part place in the life of the believer according to the New Testament. We have been, everything we have of our belief has been given to us for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things to His glory. So my very, my very willingness to be a, be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, and I don't use that term, to be a man in Christ, has been because He caused me to be born again. So I have nothing but meekness to share uh, as to the cost, the cause of the hope that is within me. So that's in particular uh, where to receive the Word of God with meekness. We must approach the brethren in Aaron, error with the spirit of gentleness. We need to correct those in opposition with humility. 
and we need to answer inquiries concerning our hope with meekness. Now let's talk about it more generally with just two very brief statements. Meekness is necessary for the Christian man who wants to be wise. So go over here in your Bible to James chapter 3. It's to the right. Go to James. You'll hit Galatians. Keep going to the right. You'll hit Hebrews and then you'll be at James. James chapter 3. Now I want you to see this as we get ready to land the plane. James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18. Meekness is necessary for the Christian man or Christian woman who desires to be wise. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, willing. See it? There's that word gentle. Willing to yield, full of mercy and of good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if you want to be wise, you must be gentle. A gentle person uh, has one of the components of being a wise person. Okay, Meekness is necessary for a Christian woman who would be precious in the sight of God. Now go over here to 1 Peter chapter 3 and notice the text. Notice the text and the adjective that you, or the pronoun that is used here. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. This is speaking specifically to women. It's speaking specifically to wives. Wives likewise, verse 1, be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they, obey, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornments be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be hidden. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. There it is. Gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God, for in this manner... And for, and in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So that is, a, that is absolutely a, 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 an encouragement, uh, specifically for Christian women who, who want to be precious in the sight of the Lord. You want to be precious in the sight of the Lord? You want God to call you precious? Then be meek. And this actually tells you how to do it. Okay? So in conclusion, who is walking by the Spirit, the one rather who is walking by the Spirit is going to be a gentle person even in the most trying circumstances. Not because of the weakness or cowardice that some might assume that person has, but because of humility that's been coupled with an inner strength to control one's behavior. Uh, an inner strength to control one's behavior. And such was the case of our Lord with all the times demonstrated what it means to be gentle and lowly in heart. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, He demonstrated it all the time. Even when they whipped Him, 
when they crucified him, the first words out of his mouth, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let those who claim to be Jesus' disciples seek to emulate his example. If you are going to pursue righteousness in this world, you are going to have tribulation. There is no easy street. There are plenty of guys out there that will tell you, you come to Jesus, you move to easy street. It is quite the opposite. If you are going to be like your teacher, like your master, then therefore you are going to be like uh, Jesus. Uh, you will suffer tribulation and troubles. So let those who claim to be Jesus' disciples seek to and emulate His example. Let there be found in us the fruit of the Spirit which is found is in the Lord as well. Because if you look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you will notice all of that is found in Jesus Christ. And for any who are not yet disciples of Jesus, any who have not come to the place of of the born again, where they have been called to be born again, where they've heard the effectual call of God and responded in repentance and belief and humility. Um, I, I encourage you to reflect on the words of Him who was gentle and lowly of heart. Again, who says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, God, we do thank you for this word. We thank you for the word of gentleness. And I pray, Father, that we would find in our own lives gentleness rising up within us, that we may see the results of gentleness in our life as we deal in these troublesome times, as people are on edge over everything. And we ask, Father, that you would give us uh, the, the great joy of seeing the work in us that you have begun, that you are faithful to complete, and that is this portion of the fury of the Spirit of gentleness. May we be more gentle, and may we be gentle in the receiving of the Word as we approach our brothers in Christ, as we correct those in opposition, and as we give testimony as to the hope that's within us. We love you and we praise you. In the most gentle name in all eternity, Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week.